You're listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 58. Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Today in the show, we are continuing with our theme of environmentally focused film festivals and the potential that these types of events have to impact conservation issues. We'll be talking with Brad Forder, who is the programming director for the largest environmentally themed film festival in the country the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital, which will be taking place March 15th through the 26th of this year. Brad will be sharing some background on the festival and giving us an insider's look at the selection process. He will also be turning the tables on myself and fellow Wildlands filmmaker Neil Paprocki midway through the interview to ask us some questions about our film Bluebird Man. Yes, Bluebird Man is one of the films that we'll be screening at this year's Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital. Not only is it screening at the festival, but it has been selected as the winner of the Eric Moe Sustainability Award, one of the four top awards given out at the festival each year. So Brad has agreed to become the interviewer for a portion of this episode to ask Neil and myself some of the questions that he had after watching our film. We're very excited to have Brad on the show today, and of course we are deeply honored that our film was selected for this top award. Let's jump into the conversation. All right, we're here with Brad Forder, who is the programming director for the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital. How are you, Brad? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And we're also joined today by biologist and wildlands filmmaker, Neil Paprocki. How are you, Neil? Good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. So we're going to start off by asking a few questions of you, Brad. We're looking to hear a little bit more about uh, this film festival that, that you're a part of. Um, maybe you can start off by giving us a little bit of background on the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital. Absolutely. Um, so I, I've been with the festival for about three years now. And, and as you mentioned, um, as the program director, um, I'm in charge of uh, kind of managing the film submission process, the review process, and the selection process. Um, and so every March, uh, we have a festival here in Washington, D.C., uh, focused on screening environmental films. Um, so the festival itself was founded by Flo Stone uh, in 1993. And she began the festival kind of with this idea of a collaborative model. So for the past 24 years, uh, the festival has worked with partners here in Washington uh, to screen environmental films at, at just a wide variety of venues. Um, we have about 50 different venues this year and includes universities, uh, museums, we work with Smithsonian, um, embassies, and then commercial theaters um, all throughout the Washington, D.C. area. Um, so we're looking forward to another great festival, and, and this year it's going to run from March 15th uh, through the 26th, and we'll be screening about 150 films this year. Fantastic. So this is a big event. I mean, a 10-day festival, lots and lots of screening venues, over 100 different films screening, like you said. Um, yeah. I mean, aside from the the, the large size of, of this event, I mean, what in your mind makes this event stand apart from other environmentally themed film festivals? 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the great things is this this collaboration, this this model um, of 50 venues spread out throughout the city. Um, and, and so um, in doing that, you know, it does provide us with a w- wide variety of um, of people attending. Um, so, you know, you have uh, at embassies, you know, you have more of an international audience. Obviously, at universities, you know, we get a younger uh, crowd there, you know, feeding into the student population. Um, and then the museums, the same, you know, we have uh, student films and children's films um, at some of the museums in our programs. So I think having that uh, collaboration, having that model where we are working with other organizations and typically we'll work with about almost 100 organizations throughout D.C. as well, in addition to these venue partners. So I think that that makes it very special. I think another thing, um, you know, we do have a very it is a very broad, you know, definition of the environment. Um, but a lot of the themes, you know, include oceans, wildlife, um, of course, climate change. Um, and then, you know, conservation is, is a big theme, too. Um, and so this year, kind of in conjunction with the 100th year anniversary of the national park system um we will you know collaborate and work with with the park system um in in having speakers and then about 20 percent of our program will be focused on uh parks parks protecting wild um so we will have about 30 or so films on that topic um so in general you know a lot of the themes and a lot of the films that we show um it's great to be able to connect with other people here in and, you know, they can help us out um, having discussions following films and, and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's a really, you know, unique, uh, unique model. So uh, I'm wondering if the presence of the event, you know, in our nation's capital means that these films, uh, you know, have the ability to have, have a direct impact on, on policy decisions. Yeah, and you know, I think I think that it definitely does, and I think that is another draw for the festival. Um, you know, another thing that that I appreciate about the festival, I mean, obviously, um, a film itself can can really a good film can really resonate with an audience in and of itself um, if it's a good story with compelling characters, you know, relevant message, but. The, the thing that also kind of, I think, sets the festival apart is, is the conversation afterward. And, and so one of our priorities is to bring in filmmakers um, and also to bring in authorities. I mean, Washington, here in Washington, we have policymakers. Um, we have authorities on a lot of subjects related to the environment. And so, you know, one of the priorities is to bring in filmmakers and also to bring in um, these other folks. Because just as much as a film resonates, I think a discussion, you know, following the film is a nice, you know, the film really is a springboard to that discussion. Um, and so from that discussion, um, you can get into, uh, you know, action campaigns and things like that, that I know a lot of filmmakers now, especially environmental filmmakers, are, are interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it seems to me like, you know, the location where you guys are at in Washington, D.C., you know, there, there, there is this great potential, right, to, absolutely. Uh, for uh, the message in a film to have an impact. Um, Definitely. So um, maybe you can tell us a, a little bit more about, about how you got involved in um, the, the D.C. Environmental Film Festival. Um, you mentioned that you've been working for the festival for three years. Uh, you know, maybe give us a little bit of background on, you know, what, what were you doing beforehand and, and what led you to this position? Absolutely. So I, my background was actually in journalism. I started in journalism and then um, became involved with uh, documentary filmmaking while I was in school. Um, and so I started kind of um, 
making my own films and and that kind of led me to washington dc and i attended uh, george washington university um, and went through a program there on documentary filmmaking and so um, i started making independent films um, and then became a videographer and freelanced here in washington and so it was during that time that i you know met a lot of filmmakers and i let a, met a lot of people who were doing some interesting things with film in the dc area and that led to um, that led to the position at the festival. So it's been a great chance for me. I'm kind of coming in uh, from the filmmaking side. So it's interesting now to see that other side because, you know, I had submitted films to festivals prior to um, working there. So, so it's interesting to see that angle, um, you know, as a filmmaker and, and the selection process and, and what goes into all the management. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. And it's, it's interesting. I'm actually kind of going through something similar right now. I'm uh, helping organize a, a new film festival in partnership with a local land trust here in Boise. Um, and so we're actually gearing up for our first, uh, the first year of this new film festival event. And, you know, so me for the yeah. first time, you know, same as you coming from a, the, a background as a filmmaker, you know, I'm watching all these film submissions and, and seeing how it works, you know, learning how the judging process works and how you select these films. And it is, it's really interesting to be on the other side of it as someone who has, you know, only been, you know, on, on the opposite side, like you said, submitting films to these festivals. No, it's, it's, there's, there's, uh, there is a lot, a lot of detail involved and uh and yeah and like you said it's 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 uh it's a lot of watching reviews and there are lots of great films out there too so you know it, it's uh you know it's it's a difficult process it is it's, it's an extraordinarily difficult process you know we actually just went through our film selection process for for our event and yeah i mean we had to say no to some films that that i really thought were strong films um and that's it's not easy to do <laughs> right so no um, so, I mean, that kind of leads us into this topic of the judging process, right? Um, right. And sort of how that works. And, you know, I think it's a little bit different for every film festival, but, um, you know, I, I think our listeners would definitely be, you know, sort of keen to hear about, you know, how the judging process works for this film festival, for the DC Environmental Film Festival. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we opened up film submission film submissions this past year um, in June. And so basically from June to the middle of November, um, we received about 1,400 submissions. And every week um, we reviewed the film. And so we had a kind of a, a committee um, of off-site screeners who would watch film and rate the films. And then the, the high-rated films from that group would then bump up to our programming committee, which was a smaller group, including myself and other programmers on staff. And we would watch these films and, and every week discuss them and, and select them. And so that's how we chose um, you know, a good portion of the films for the program. And of course, our submissions are free. And um, so it, you know, there is uh, great access there as a filmmaker. And and we we watched every you know every single film that did come in in some way or another. Um, so the other thing with the festival, we we also have a selection for awards, and so we have four awards at the festival, and one of these awards is the the Eric Mo Sustainability Film Award, um, and so this was an award established um, in in 2014 um, by the Mo family, and they are friends of the festival, and um, it was established in memory of their son Eric, and Eric had a very strong interest in film and and a commitment to the environment and sustainability um and then and so that's you know that's where uh bluebird man kind of comes in your film and out of you know we had a separate submission process for this award um and it is a, an award for short film um and 
out of 200 plus submissions, um, about seven were, were taken to a jury. And then uh, Bluebird Man was selected as the winner um, of that of that process. And so we're, we're thrilled, you know, we're thrilled to be showing uh, your film, Matt Neal. And it's, you know, again, it'll be during the festival on March 17th um, at seven o'clock. And it's at one of our signature venues, um, Carnegie Institution for Science. Um, so, and, and I'll have you guys talk about the film a little bit, but yeah, we're, uh, we're thrilled about that. And as far as the other awards, um, it, it's kind of a similar process. We do have a jury selection process for those as well. We are going to sort of pivot this uh, discussion here um, in in a few minutes, and and Brad, let you kind of ask some questions of Neil and myself um, about our film Bluebird Man. Um, but you know, I, I am curious to hear just in your opinion, you know, what made our film Bluebird Man sort of stand out. You know, what what do you think makes it a good fit for for this this award, the Eric Mo Sustainability Award? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things um, one of the things we always look for, honestly, is is a good story, a compelling character, um, and a relevant message, a relevant issue. And you know, I think the the one thing that that we were all taken with was just you all found just such a compelling character in Al Larson and what he's doing as a citizen scientist. And it really did resonate. I mean, just such a charming man and, and such a great character. And that's one of the things I'm curious about, too, is is just how you all found him. Because I think, you know, with any message, just finding uh, that that just universal element or finding that person that, that really does stand out, that says so much um, as far as kind of getting a message across. And in this case, you know, this this conservation message and the impact that he's had, um, you know, in, in trying to prevent the decline of, of the bluebirds. So that was, you know, that was a big thing. I mean, in in this decision process, I know that that was that was a great thing. I mean, it's a wonderful story. Uh, it's great filmmaking. Um, so production value does come into um, the process as well. But but once you get past production value, um, story and character is so important. Well, that's definitely good to hear, you know, and that's uh, something that, that, that we talk about a lot is the importance of storytelling um, and how that is sort of more important than anything else, right? More, like you right. said, more, I mean, the, it's important to have that production value and, um, but you know, right. if you have a compelling story, that will trump everything else um, <laughs> as far as your film is concerned. So just to reiterate here before, Brad, I let you sort of jump in and start throwing some questions at us about Bluebird Man. Um, Bluebird Man will be screening at the D.C. Environmental Film Festival on March 17th at the Carnegie Institution of Sciences. We couldn't be more excited about this screening event. Um, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And Brad, yeah, it sounded like, sounded like your first question was maybe going to be just... Uh, sort of about how we first became connected with Al, how we sort of found out about um, this this uh, this character in the film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how you found him, and how did how did the the film project kind of begin? I'm going to let Neil take that one. Sure. Yeah, I can I can take that question. Um, it was kind of a, a a funny little path that we traveled to, you know, st- stumbling upon Al and and his story. I mean, at at the time, Matt. Matt and I were both living in Boise and Matt, you'll have to, was this in 2012? Yeah, I think it was 2012 when, <laughs> when you first went out with them because it was, yeah. we shot the film in 2013. Yeah. yeah so, so it was the summer, the summer of 2012. And I, I was at the time I was getting my master's degree at Boise state in Raptor biology. And my advisor who was on the local, board for the local Audubon chapter, the Golden Eagle Audubon Society, she she told her grad students about 
this guy Al, who had you know who was monitoring bluebird boxes in the Owyhee Mountains, which are outside of Boise. And she she just kind of threw it out there to us that hey you know he, he's doing this and if you wanted to go out and kind of see the whole process of him monitoring bluebird boxes and banding nestlings and all that it, you know this would be a great opportunity to go out with him and you know me and another grad student said oh, sure yeah I mean that sounds yeah. great you know I'd, I'd seen bluebirds before but not so many and not really up close so I said sure and so we we went out with Al and it was the first time I'd met him. And we went out and um, kind of kicked around with him on his bluebird trail for the day. And uh, it was, I mean, I, I was immediately, I mean, Brad, you mentioned just how you know interesting of a character he is and how, just how strong of, of a character he is. And I, I was immediately taken by that. I mean, he, the first day we were out, he, he told us, you know, essentially his entire life story starting from you know him growing up in Jordan Valley as a small kid near the Oregon border and then serving in World War II and how he's got started on the Bluebird Trail like all you know all this really amazing and interesting stuff and I came back from that I mean I, I think I immediately told Matt like man this guy is really interesting and would make a really interesting you know character in a movie um, not really thinking that anything would come of that. It was just kind of something to say, um, cause I'd had a really good day out there with him. And, and then I think I went out with him maybe one more time in 2012. Cause I had, you know, I'd had such a good time the first time we went out again and just, you know, again, had a really great time. And then Matt and I kept kind of talking about him and his story and the story of bluebirds and that conservation success story. And, uh, we had just finished up our, the first documentary that Matt directed um, called Scavenger Hunt, which was about California condors. And we, we were kind of looking for that next big project to take on. And, you know, this was one of those ideas that we were kicking around. And, um, you know, we, we kind of decided to go for it. We, we talked to Al about it. We said, hey, we're thinking about making a film about you and about bluebirds. What do you think about that? And um, he didn't – I don't think he hesitated for one minute. He said, that's great. Um you know, he, he's a filmmaker too. So he kind of knows he's into that kind of thing. And he knows that world a little bit just from doing kind of amateur videography himself. So he said, sure. And that was kind of it. And Matt and I just went for it. And, you know, it was the next year in 2013, we spent a lot of time with him out on the bluebird trails, um, you know, shooting every time we went out. Sometimes we didn't shoot. We just went out with him just because it was, it was a fun thing to do. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time out with him that winter or that, that summer of 2013. That was kind of the start of it. Oh, that's great. And, and so as far as um, – and that was a question I had too was about his you – know, how comfortable he was with, with the idea, with the notion of being filmed because he looks very comfortable um, on film too. Um, so as far as you do see some kind of archival footage in the film too, so was that, was that Al's footage then of, of things that he had shot previously? Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. Like the 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 reason that he started working with Bluebirds was actually because he was into film and photography. Like he, you know, he he tells us that he, you know, the, the first Bluebird boxes he put he put up were near his house, and the reason he put them up was like, oh, I could put this 
this bluebird house up and get birds to come really close and I can get really nice pictures of them and take really nice video. And so the, kind of the reason he started was because he wanted to take some video and get some pictures of bluebirds. And then it kind of morphed into this larger thing where he was more doing it for the birds and doing it to be outside and get away yeah. from town and all of that. Um, so yeah, it was you know really interesting how he kind of came about doing that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add there that, I mean, it's, it's really nice to be working with a main character in a film who has a background in, in, um, in, in videography and photography, you know, and, and who knows what it's like to be behind the camera. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think that, um, I mean, that really helped the film, obviously, because we had access to all of this archival footage um, that Al shared with us. Um, but I think it also helped because, you know, Al sort of knew where we were coming from. Um, and, you know, I think that helped make him more comfortable on camera. Um, I mean, I think the other thing that, you know, which, which Neil mentioned that, you know, made him very comfortable on camera was the fact that, I mean, Neil and I became good friends with him, you know, and I mean, we weren't shooting footage every single time we went out with him. You know, we sort of, when we took on this project, you know, partly it was to tell, you know, the, the, the primary goal was to tell Al's story in a documentary, but, you know, we also just, got to know him and became friends and you know we wanted to see his this project of his which has become his life's work continue um and yeah. so i mean that's something that that we're continuing to to work towards um and i'm actually on the the board of directors for that local audubon chapter now i just joined that board um and so uh, you know we're trying to help uh lead an initiative um to ensure that uh, Al's Bluebird Trails uh, uh, continue, um, you know, at, once, you know, Al reaches a point where he's no longer able to, to monitor and maintain them himself. Yeah, and that was that was another thing, too, I, w- I was interested in was, um, you know, the and first off, too, just the impact uh you know, talk, talk a bit about the impact Al has had, you know, just as a citizen scientist um, in, in helping to kind of reverse this decline in, in bluebirds. Because I know the other, um, the other part of this is he, he started doing this in, in retirement. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, he didn't start doing this until he was in his 60s. And I mean, he, he did start doing it before he retired, but he really uh-huh. didn't, he really didn't go kind of to the level where he took it until after he retired it. I mean, for, for a while he was doing it, you know, he was working, he, he worked at a sawmill and he was working at the sawmill and then he was going out after work and checking the bluebird boxes and putting in just, you know, crazy long days. Um, but then, at, you know, after he only did that for a few years and then after he retired, he really kind of jumped into it um, at, and kind of took it to another level of, you know, over 300 boxes that he was monitoring after he after wow. he retired. Well, as far as the and from the kind of the filmmaking angle, too, I know people are always interested to hear how long it actually takes to, you know, to to produce a film. So how, how long in this whole process, how long did it take for you all to to create this short it was about a year start to finish. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, and, 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 and that's, <laughs> it depends on what you consider, you know, a part of the process, right? Because, you yeah. know, like Neil mentioned, you know, Neil went out with Al a couple of times the year, you know, the summer before we started shooting. Um, and he did, you know, Neil did shoot a little bit of footage, you know, sort of just enough for us to cut together a trailer uh, to, you know, do some fundraising, um, you know, that summer before. Um, 
But, you know, if, if you start, you know, at basically the beginning of production, you know, we started shooting in, in February of 2013. And the first stage of distribution for us was airing the film on Idaho Public Television. Um, and I think that happened in April of 2014. So, I mean, just about a year from when we started production, we had a finished film, um, which I, th- I thought was a pretty good turnaround time, considering it took me almost five years to finish my first film. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, that's great. Well, and you know, and we're thrilled to to you know to screen this in in DC. And and I guess the the last thing I had too was just it, overall, like what what do you ultimately kind of want audiences to to take away from the film? I mean, some, something that I would like them to take away, and and I mean, Brad, you asked the question of well, you know, what role did Al have in the recovery of this species? And I mean, he he certainly played a role, but he's not the only person that's been doing this. I mean, there are literally hundreds of other people across the United States who are doing this, the same thing that Al's doing, putting up bluebird boxes and helping to address those declines that had happened a number of years ago. And, and now bluebirds are doing quite well. So I think what I would have people take away is, I mean, the fact that it is a conservation success story and that just these every, not just Al, but all of these other everyday people have helped contribute to you know the the success of of successfully recovering this species and it it's you know even if you're not a, a researcher or a scientist or a biologist i mean anyone can have an impact in helping to save a species if if they you know put their mind to it and really want to do that it it really is i mean like neil said i mean you know we our decision to follow al you know we really wanted to sort of use al as an example of like you know look what happens when one person just dedicates themselves to this one project you know and that's something that al talks about a lot too you know when we go out on the trails with him he talks a lot about you know how important it is for people to stick with a goal you know um i mean he's been doing this this upcoming spring i think will be the 38th year that he's been monitoring um these these bluebird nest box trails i i guess talking about how you know one individual truly can have an impact on an ecosystem um and you don't have to have a lot of money you don't have to have a lot of connections or influence you just have to have that perseverance um and that commitment to to the project absolutely well you know we're like i said you know we're we're looking forward to this uh march 17th and it's also going to be great you know to have al at, at the screening um and i know that I know that our audience is, is going to, you know, love kind of um, the dialogue after the screening as well. And uh, yeah, and, and thank you all for making this film. I mean, we're we're excited to to screen it here in Washington. Yeah, I mean, thanks a lot to you, Brad, for everything you've done um, and for selecting our film to be a part of this this really Definitely. amazing festival. Um, I'll I'll just say that you know I I am equally as excited as you are that Al is is coming to this event. You know, I think Brad, when we first talked about this when you first you know uh called up neil and myself to to let us know about this uh that we'd received this award you know i think one of the first things you asked was you know can we get al out to dc to right. this event um and i think my response was like eh, doesn't yeah. doesn't seem all too likely um and i mean the reason for that is that you know al has in the past has specifically told me that he's done with plane travel <laughs> um <laughs> It was a conversation that we him. had in the past, right? Um, but I just think, I mean, I, I think Al was really touched that by uh, uh, the fact that this film received the award and by the recognition that he is getting for his project, you know. And Al is 
he's the most humble of 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 men <laughs> you know uh, very soft spoken when it comes to uh you know sort of giving himself credit for the work that he's done um but you can sort of tell in this very subtle way that that he is very touched by the amount of recognition that he is getting for for the, um this project of his so um yeah it it will be a lot of fun to to travel out to DC with Al um and and attend this screening Fantastic. Well, thank you all again, and 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 yeah, and you know that that humble nature too is is so well reflected in the film. And um, just going back to you know your other point, it's also it's also fantastic to just have um, a positive um, message come, coming from this um, that that people are getting out there, and and uh, this is something this is something that people can do. This this is something this there is an action following this. Um, this message. Um, you can go out and you can do this. And Al's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's important to celebrate our conservation success stories. And that's, that's what we hope. Yeah. That's what we hope to do in this film. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Brad. And thanks, Neil, for coming on the show today. And Brad, thanks for kind of uh, flipping this thing around and uh, <laughs> becoming the, the interviewer uh, for the second half of this. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, thank you, guys. and th- Thank you, Brad. All right, that was our conversation with Brad Forder from the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital. Of course, it's always wonderful to get this kind of recognition for a film, and we're extremely honored that Bloomberg was selected for this top award. It's also great, however, to have the opportunity to chat with someone like Brad, who oversees the entire selection process for our country's largest environmentally-themed film festival. Brad talked about one aspect of the selection process that I will reiterate here— the utmost importance of good storytelling. Good storytelling trumps everything else, especially in this new era of filmmaking where just about anyone can achieve that high production value look. The ability to craft a compelling story and develop interesting characters is the single most important task of any filmmaker. To learn more about the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital and our screening of Bluebird Man at the event, check out the show notes page for this episode, which you can find at wildlensinc.org EOC58. This episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky. Our theme music is by The Humidors. The Humidors.